All right, Second Peter uh, chapter two, um, and uh, let's see. I, I, sorry, I said uh, chapter two, and it's chapter one. Sorry about that. Second Peter chapter two. Finish up this chapter. Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one, verses fifteen through twenty-one. Say this. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. For if we have not followed, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scriptures of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Let's pray again. Father, again, we thank you for your mercy and grace. We thank you for your love. And uh, Lord, we thank you for the prayer request that we've heard tonight. Lord, I'm glad, again, that we can pray for one another. Lord, there was unspoken prayer request. Lord, there's physical needs, spiritual needs, no doubt, financial needs, uh, pre people needing wisdom uh, concerning important decisions, concerning uh, education, uh, concerning uh, employment, concerning uh, relationships and just a lot going on, Lord, and we need your guidance and direction in our life. And so, Lord, we uh, pray for these things. We trust you with them. And, uh, Lord, you know what people need in their heart tonight. And so, Lord, I pray you'd give it to them through your spirit, through your word. And, Lord, even tonight, if there's somebody here, somebody listening that's not saved, <laughs> it sure be a great uh, night to see somebody get saved. Lord, we pray for starting our Sunday school uh, coming back up. And, Lord, I pray that... Uh, uh, Lord, you'd help us to uh, build our uh, Sunday school and pray for the teachers as they prepare uh, for their classes. And uh, Lord, just uh, everything involving uh, that as well. Again, we pray for the sick among us that you'd uh, touch them. And again, Lord, help us through your word in Jesus name. Amen. So uh, as we look in these verses tonight, sort of broken down in, in, in two things there, uh, we see the transfiguration mentioned, and then, of course, uh, talking about the Bible, inspiration. So we see transfiguration and inspiration. In uh, one, we see uh, the Word of God in human form, and the other one talks about the Word of God in written form. And uh, just before uh, we get in those verses, notice again verse 17 which uh, mentions something we talked about last week, which says, Moreover, verse 15, I will endeavor that ye may, may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. And, uh, of course, last week we talked about these things and the importance of uh, adding these things to be your life and uh, being active in these things, doing these things, adding these things. It uh, mentioned that several times in the verses we looked at last week. But here it says, it finishes up with having these things in remembrance. Uh, just quickly in verse 13, it says this, I think it meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. So he says, hey, I want to stir you up about these things, and I want you always to keep these things in remembrance. And just a, just a thought there is, listen, as believers, what's going what's gonna to get you stirred up, 
What's going to keep you stirred up and keep you fired up is not some new thing. You know, today, a lot of people are looking for some new thing to stir them up. No, uh, the, uh, the first thing that's going to keep us stirred up, amen, is what brought us up, amen, to Christ in the first thing. Just remembering and keeping before us the things that we've already learned and, and know. And so, listen, we don't need to, some new thing. We just need to get back to the old things and let them be uh, active in our life. But let's look at the transfiguration here that's mentioned, right? The Word of God here in human form, verses 16 through 18, again say this, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. Doesn't that sound exciting? Eyewitnesses of His majesty. For He received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to Him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, and whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Of course, that's a reference to the uh, what we call the transfiguration, which is mentioned in three of the Gospels. And let's look at one of those quickly in Matthew chapter 17, and we'll look at verses 1 through 9. Matthew 17, we'll look at one of the accounts and mention some of the other ones. But it says this in Matthew 17, beginning of verse 1. We'll read verses 1 through 9. It says, After six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, said, Behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and, and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. I love that verse. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell, no, tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. So here we see he takes Peter, James, and John. And they were known as the inner circle. Now we know he had other disciples, and the Bible talks about his disciples, and in some places it talks about uh, the 70 also that he sent out. But he had an inner circle. And boy, I think, man, if, if God still has an inner circle, <laughs> I want to be part of that inner circle. Amen. I want to be on the inside group that uh, gets to see special things uh, with the Lord. And now what's exciting is they had been, of course, they'd been following Christ for some time by now. And of course, indeed, they believed and knew that he was the Christ. And Peter had said that so clearly in the verse we find in Matthew 16. Remember when Jesus had asked them, who do men say they am? And Peter answered this, and we see it in Matthew 16, 16. It says, and Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. So they had no doubt who Jesus was and truly believed correctly who he was. And so uh, I sort of like this uh, as I was reading this, 
I sort of uh, got this thought. They were used to seeing him on a daily basis, of course, as God, right, in the flesh, and his glory robed in humanity. So they were used to being with him, right, while his uh, uh, glory, if you want to say, was uh, robed in humanity. But now on the mount, uh, they sort of got to see his humanity robed in God, uh, God's glory and sort of got to see uh, the reverse, Amen. As they walked with him, they knew that he was Christ. They believed he was God in the flesh, but his, his glory was sort of hid and robed in humanity. But now they got to see, amen, that glory uh, overshadow uh, the human side of him. And what a wonderful uh, thing that must have been to see. But I like where it says in uh, verse 1 there of Matthew 17, it says, And bringeth him up into a high mountain apart, apart. You know, uh, no doubt, if we uh, look at our own Christian life, no doubt there are times that the Lord desires to get us apart with him, to get us away from the busyness of life, apart from even the companionship uh, of, of others, and like his inner circle to get apart that he might reveal something special to us, something special to us. Psalm 4.3 says, But know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. And of course, in that sense, we're all set apart if we're saved. But sometimes he likes to just bring us uh, uh, apart unto himself. And boy, that's a good question to ask ourselves. When is the last time you were apart with the Lord? Hey, man, you just got a, along with the Lord and spent some special time uh, apart with him and said, God, I'm just setting this time aside, this day aside, these hours aside or whatever it is, uh, Lord, because I want to hear from you directly. Hey, Amen. Nobody else is in the room. Lord, when I hear you speak, I, amen, I want to be clear that you're speaking to me and you're doing something uh, in, in my life and revealing something to me. What a wonderful uh, thought that is. But again, in Matthew 72, it said, he was transfigured before them and his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as the light. In Mark 9, 3, when it talks about this, it says it this way. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow. So as no fuller on earth can white them. In Luke, where it mentions it, it says it this way. And as he prayed, and I think that's an important thing to mention, that it just didn't happen. It happened as he prayed. The fashion of his countenance was altered and his raiment was white and glistering. What a sight to behold that must have been. What a sight to behold. But here's the, here's the sad thing. When you read all events, you see that they almost missed it. They almost missed this great thing that happened on that mount. Now, you notice Peter didn't mention that <laughs> when he wrote about it, but it tells us in Luke that they almost missed this great opportunity to see Christ in his glory upon that mount. Luke 9, Luke 9 is the only one that mentions that, and it says this in Luke 9, 32. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep, and when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. Now, they, he brought them up. He brought up his inner circle. And, you know, and a good thing that, you know, it's sad that that happened. What a good thing it shows you is, though this was his inner circle, 
It wasn't because they were special or had any uh, uh, greater power than we did. Hey, they got up there. You know what? And they, they, uh, uh, they, they fell asleep. And you know what? That shows that, hey, they were just weak like us. So, amen, it's not uh, that you have to be something uh, special to be in that inner circle. You might have to do some special things, amen, in, in drawing closer to the Lord. But as far as it's not about the individual. But he brought them in to get in. But here's the thing. Despite what they did, uh, God was doing what he was going to do even when they were missing it. Listen, uh, and we need to realize that, hey, just because we may not be aware of something doesn't mean God isn't doing something, right? Doesn't mean God isn't doing something. And we need to realize God wants us to get in. He wants us, amen, to be a part of what he's doing. But hey, whether we get in on it or not, God is going to accomplish what he's going to accomplish uh, upon this earth. But the thing is, you know what? I want to get in on it. I want to be a part with him and be part of what he wants to do. I don't want to miss, amen, what he wants to reveal to me. I don't want to miss, amen, what he wants me to be a part of. So you think, man, I haven't seen God do much lately. I haven't seen. Well, hey, uh, maybe you need to get, get along with God and say, hey, God, hey, uh, uh, listen, obviously you're still working. Obviously you're still doing some things. I'd sure like to see it. I'd sure like to get in on it. Amen. Hey, Lord, if I need to be woken up, if I need to be stirred up, if I need to be shaken up, amen, uh, to see it and to get on it, Lord, do that. Wake me up. Shake me up. Whatever's got to happen, I don't want to miss what you're doing, amen, right around me. And notice uh, they, they were right there where he was doing it. And God's doing things around us, and we want to see it. Luke 9.30 says this, And behold, there were with him two men, which were Moses and Elias. Verse 31 of Luke 9, it says, who appeared in glory. Amen. The glory of God was upon them as well and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. And so he was talking with this men, these men about uh, his decease and going to Calvary. And of course, uh, you know, this Moses and Elijah are mentioned. Moses represented the law and death and those who would die in Christ. Elijah represented the prophets and those who did not die. And we'll see Jesus upon his return, of course, uh, what we call the rapture. And, of course, Christ uh, represented the New Testament, if you will, and the fulfilled word. And so you had a beautiful picture of the completed uh, word of God, if you will, right there among those uh, three men. What a beautiful picture that is. You know, when you think of, uh, uh, when I think of Moses and Elijah, it brings this verse uh, to thought, 1 Corinthians 15, 55, which says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Now we know it's swallowed up in Christ, but uh, that, that, that first part of that verse says, O death, where is thy sting? Boy, you can sort of picture Elijah. That's something Elijah might say because, you know, he didn't feel the sting of death. He never died, right? He, he was taken away. And O grave, where is thy victory? Might be what Moses would say because he died. But obviously he came through on the other side because he appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration. And so what a beautiful picture that is. Amen. Of victory in Christ. And one day we shall say one of these statements as well. Amen. If we die before Christ comes back, amen, then he and we're brought out of that grave. We'll say, oh, grave, we're able to look back and say, oh, grave, where's thy victory? Amen. Uh, you didn't hold me down. But if we're here when the rapture comes and we get to uh, sort of go off like Elijah did, we'll say, oh, death, where's thy sting? Amen. We get to escape it. But in Luke 9, 33, it says this. And it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, 
This is, a, this is another good example showing, amen, these men were men of like passion and weak as we are, that they made mistakes just like we do. It says this, Peter said, It is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. And then it makes a statement, not knowing what he said. Have you ever been guilty of that? You just sort of opened up your mouth? I'm sure I have. In Mark 9, 6, it says this about him, for he wist not what to say. You ever get that? Sometimes you know what to say and you sort of blurt something out and like, uh, right? Well, that's what he did. But, you know, it's kind of interesting that he, they said, let's uh, build three tabernacles. You know, that's what religion likes to do. Boy, uh, uh, you, you, I'm sure you go to Israel and you go to Jerusalem, you go to Bethlehem and all those places, and boy, you just see tabernacles all over the place, right? Religious things all over the place. But hey, thank God for Moses and the great man of God he was. Thank God for Elias and the great man of God he was. And thank God for, you know, the, the, the Spurgeons and the D.L. Moody's and the great men of God that have been in our day. But listen, never be a man lifter upper. Never get so hooked on a man that you think he can say no wrong and do no wrong. Again, because that's been a big problem uh, among independent Baptists uh, down through uh, the decades. You know, some guy gets so big and, oh, you know, whatever he say, you know, we, we get on to the, the, the Catholics about the popes, but we've had our own little popes, uh, not to get sidetracked among uh, uh, the independent Baptists. Hey, respect the man of God. Honor the men of God, but also remember, hey, they're just men. And the only one that we, that we need to be following, amen, is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one that's worthy, amen, of our faithfulness, that's worthy of our service, and uh, that we need to be uh, uh, behind. I remember when uh, I was going to go to Bible college and the man that was over that school, everywhere I went, oh, Dr. So-and-so, oh, Dr. So-and-so. And I was like, man, what is wrong? I'm glad I never got cut. I'm like, Okay, we respect him, but come on, he's just a man. Get over it, you know. And, uh, uh, but uh, again, honor them, but amen, don't uh, uh, try to put them near. We don't build tabernacles uh, for these people. Only Jesus Christ is worthy, and we need to remember that. Matthew 17, 5, again, thank God the uh, Father showed up and straightened him out. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said again, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And listen, uh, I want to hear Jesus when he's talking directly to me. And even when the man of God is speaking, you know who I want to hear? I want to hear Jesus. Just like the verse says, sirs, we would see Jesus. And it says in verse 8 of Matthew 17 again, And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. Boy, that's who we want to see, amen, when we're in the midst of worship and when we come together to worship, when we come together, amen, it's Jesus that we want to get a glimpse of him. And so going back to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8, it says this, And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Just a side note about that mount. There was nothing special about that mount. It was just an ordinary mount. But it's his presence and the event that took place there that made it holy. That's why he called it holy. Not because the mount itself was special, but because Jesus would have it happen there. Amen. That his presence was there and the event that took place there. And amen. When we think about ourselves, hey, 
We're nothing special. At least I'm nothing special. Hey, uh, listen, we're just uh, ordinary people. But amen, what makes us holy is what? His presence and the event that took place in our heart when he saved us. And uh, what a beautiful thought that is there. So we see the thought of the transfiguration and the impact that it had on Peter. He, he never got over what he saw there. But what's but amazing, as amazing as that thought is of being, uh, being in Christ's inner circle, asking uh, Jesus asking you to come apart with him and revealing something special and getting to see all that. What an amazing uh, uh, thought that is of being able to do that. What he says in verse 19 is even more amazing because he says this, because he had just made the statement in verse 16, when he began to talk about the transfiguration, he had just made this statement coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but, but were I witnesses of his majesty. And you think, hey, what could be more sure than an eyewitness? I mean, you know, uh, uh, when they go to court, right? And you say, so, you know, uh, did you hear this? Did somebody tell you this? You know, or how would you get this information? You say, well, I was an eyewitness. I was standing right there. We're like, OK, well, hey, uh, we want to make sure that we get him on the stand. But then he makes this statement in verse 19, which is, which is, uh, hey, when I read about the transfiguration, you know what? I'm excited for Peter. I'm excited for Peter. But when I read the next verses, you know what? I'm excited for us. <laughs> I'm excited for us because he makes this statement in verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Now he says, look, I saw this with my own eyes. I was there. Hey, listen, I'm telling you, I saw it with my own eyes, but even more sure than what I saw with my own eyes, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. These are exciting verses, amen, that it should encourage us as we look at this about the book that we hold in our hand. Hey, listen, uh, thank God. Amen. That Peter got to see that. I'm, I'm glad for him. Amen. Hey, I think uh, I want God to reveal some exciting things to me. But and I'm glad when I look back over uh, 30 something years of ministry, I, all the things I got to see uh, with my eyes. But hey, you know what should uh, uh, keep. But you know what uh, keeps me excited more than what I've seen with my eyes. Amen. Uh, what I read in this book and studying this book on a daily basis, because I know it's the word of God as he reveals it here. Now here in verse 19, he says a more sure word of prophecy. Now in verse 16, he's made this statement for we have not followed cunningly devised fables. Now what's a fable? It's something just fabricated by the mind. It's a, something that somebody makes up, right? It's just something fabricated by the mind, you know, and a lot of times it's full of falsehoods and things. It's just devised, made up, invented. Matter of fact, we're warned against fables in 1 Timothy 4, 7, but refuse profane and old wives fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. So thank God. Amen. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of religions have fables. 
and have stories about events. But thank God, we don't have fables. We have facts. Amen. We have the Word of God. We don't have something that came from the mind of man. We have something that came from the very mind and heart of God. I'm glad, amen, that these just aren't old uh, stories uh, passed down and, and twisted and turned down through the ages. But I know, amen, I have the very word of God. And that's what this uh, talks about. It says we have a more sure. That statement more sure means this. It means something fixed, something certain, that upon which one may build. In other words, you can, you, this, amen, this word of God is sure and fixed. It's immovable. Amen. And you can build your faith upon it. You can build your life upon it. It's the word of God. And it says, take heed, amen, as unto a light that shineth. Anytime you take heed to God's word, you do well. You do the right thing. It talks about the word of God is a light that shineth in a dark place. I like this verse, Psalm 119, 130 says this, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. And that's a good verse to remember when you're witnessing to people. The interest of thy words giveth light. Don't try to reason with people. Amen. Just keep giving them the word. It's the word that's going to shine the light into that dark heart. It's the word that's going to let them see their sinful condition. It's the word that's going to let them see, amen, their need for Jesus Christ. It's the word that's going to let them see uh, who Jesus Christ really is. Amen. Just keep giving people uh, the word of God because it gives the light and it's the word of God that gives understanding uh, through the Holy Spirit unto the simple. I like that statement, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. That's talking about Jesus Christ. The Revelations 22, 6, 16 goes along with that thought, the day star. It says this, Revelation 22, 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you of these things the churches. I am the bright and morning star. Well, I thought about that, that thought for a moment where it says the day star arise in your hearts. Uh, uh, I was asking Sister Karen about this today. Anybody ever been to a pretty place and watched the sun come up? Uh, yeah, I went there recently when my sister was down here. And then the other day I went again uh, when the Moyers were here. You know, you got to go about five, six in the morning, depending on the time of day. And boy, you, you get there and boy, what a what a beautiful thing is. You, you go up there and it's dark. And boy, when I went up the other day, the sun was just beginning to come over the horizon. And there's this big orange line all the way across Amen. And it was just beautiful to see all that, that darkness. Then all of a sudden the sun. Amen. Even before you could see the sun, you could just see the power of it. Amen. Begetting to light that darkness up. Man, you need, it's, it's worth getting up early uh, uh, to go do that. Just make sure you get a good cup of coffee to take with you. All right. That's all I'm saying. Amen. And go up there and watch that. And I thought about that. That's, that, that's a beautiful picture. You know what I thought when I when, when I when I read this and I thought about that, that sun come up, you know, to me, that, that was just a, a beautiful picture of when we sort of get up in the morning. Hey, man, we're sort of we're sort of groggy and we get in the word of God. I mean, you see that transition. Amen. As that as that comes across. Amen. And lightens up 
uh, uh, the day and prepares everybody's uh, day so they can go out and see and go to work. Well, I thought about that when I get up in the morning, amen, and I begin to read the Word of God, and that Word of God begins to shine in my heart, amen, and then it's just like Jesus, if you will, amen, the, uh, that day star begins to rise in my heart, amen, and, and uh, prepare me uh, for the day ahead, what the new day, what a beautiful uh, picture that was. Listen, but it says here, the Word of God is a more sure word of prophecy than what we see with our own eyes. But verse 20 says this, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. You see, God's Word doesn't come from a private source, if you will, like fables, that is, from a human mind. But see, it mentions private interpretation. It did not come by, and it is not interpreted privately. In other words, man didn't come up with this, right? Some man, this is just something he came up in his mind. And then also, man in his own mind uh, uh, doesn't interpret. In other words, you can't just pull a verse out and just do what you want with it, amen? There, there's a context, and you got to compare Scripture with Scripture. So we didn't get it by private interpretation, and you don't understand it, if you will, by private interpretation. Let me give you a couple verses for that. Uh, Isaiah 28, 9 and 10 says this, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and draw from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept on precept, line upon line, uh, here a little and there a little. That's how we study the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 2.13 says, Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. You see, the Holy Ghost will teach us, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. You've heard it before, the best commentary on the Bible uh, is the Bible. That's why we need to, uh, uh, you know, I've said before, when you run into a verse that's hard to understand, though you may not know what it does mean, you can know what it doesn't mean. Like when people find those verses and say, well, here it looks like you could lose your salvation. You might say, well, hey, again, I don't know what that verse does mean, but I'll tell you what it doesn't mean because comparing Scripture with Scripture, I see it's very clear that a man cannot lose his salvation, that once a person's saved, he's always saved, amen, and he's, he turn, he's, he's sealed unto the day of redemption. So whatever that verse means, hey, I'm trying to figure that verse out, but I know it's not going to contract the verses I've already got uh, figured out concerning that particular, that particular doctrine. And so verse 21 goes on to say, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. God emphasizes and makes clear all through His Word that this book is from Him. Listen, I, 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 I am so glad that I've got it settled. And I've said this before, in, 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 in the depths of my heart and soul, I feel like it's just a part of my fiber after all these years that I believe the book I hold in my hand is the very Word of God. I don't hesitate today. There's not the smallest question mark in my heart. Amen. I'm not nervous about it. I, I, I can look the biggest infidel in the world right now, and despite what he says, I can say, listen, friend, you can say what you want, you can think what you want, but this book 
And this book alone is the word of God. This book and this book alone contains the truth of God. This book and this book alone can give you what you need to know the Lord Jesus Christ and the way of salvation and eternal life. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is the only book in the world that can give man faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So outside Outside what you get from this book, a man, it's impossible for a man to please God. I don't care how religious he is. I don't care how many works he does. A man cannot please God outside of faith. And this is the only source of faith. So if any man in the world is ever going to please God, amen, the resources for doing that come from this book and this book alone, because it alone is the Word of God. Let me give you several verses again that back that up all through the Word of God. Exodus 7, 14, trying to hurry, says this, And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book. You see, he told the men of God to write things down and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. Jeremiah 36, 2 says this, Take thee a roll of a book, and write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee. I, I, I like this verse, Exodus 32, 16. And the tables were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God. Boy, you need to, that's a verse worth highlighting, amen? Let me read that again. The tables were the work of God, and the writing was was the writing of God. We know when he was on that mountain, amen, God wrote that for him. But let me tell you, this, amen, is the work of God. This book is the writing of God. Don't you ever, don't you let anybody ever put the slightest doubt in your mind that you have the privilege of having the very word of God. Don't you ever doubt this book. Hebrews 10, 7 says, Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will of God. Amen. In the volume of the book. This is a Jesus book. Amen. From Genesis to Revelation. Of course, we know Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is quick. That means life-giving life-giving. It's quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This book is alive. You can't get ahead of this book. This book understands your heart more than you understand your heart. That's why it can deal with your heart and help your heart and change your heart. Matthew 4, 4 says this, But he answered and said, It is written, Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that what? Proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Every word in this book came from the mouth and heart of God. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God, as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 3, 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. In other words, it'll tell you, amen, what, what, how to believe right, reproof, amen, amen, and correction, how to get right, and then instruction, how to live right. That's what this book will do. Paul states that the scripture 
can make man, amen, the man of God. Notice this word. Let me give you verse 17, 2 Timothy 3, 17, that the man of God may be perfect, truly, notice this word, furnished unto all good works. That word furnished means this. In, in this verse, 2 Timothy 3, 17, Paul states that the inspired scripture can make the man of God competent, proficient, and capable. I like that word, capable. You see, we have God's word. And as we study God's word and we're filled with God's word, amen, we, we become capable. Amen. Hey, uh, I, I, I'm capable to give somebody the gospel. Why? Because I have the word of God. I'm capable of living the life that God would have me to live. Why? Well, because I've been saved and I have the word of God to give me the instruction that I need. Amen. Listen, thank God. Amen. We are able and capable because we have the word of God. Let me finish up here. You know, uh, I think many believers, especially here in America, have gotten used to having the Word of God. And I think many of us have lost the wonder of it and for it. The respect and understanding how fortunate we are, especially in our country, to have the Word of God. You know, uh, people joke with me because I make a big deal about setting stuff on the Word of God. Well, you know, I don't have many pet peeves, but that's sort of one of them. Amen. Uh, I, I like to show respect uh, uh, to uh, the Word of God, not just in, in that way, but in, but in other ways. And we need to ask God to give us, amen, a, 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 help us not to lose the wonder and realize the privilege that we have in having the Word of God. I mean, if you've been in America in your life, you've never known a time of not having uh, the Word of God and maybe having a Bible in your home. And I've mentioned how many thousands of people I've given uh, I, I'd, I'd pray the first time, uh, the first couple to get saved in our ministry in Bulgaria, I might have mentioned this before, I was taken uh, Boyan, uh, Bianetta, right? First couple to get saved. I was taking Boyan. I was having a Bible study with him. I was taking Boyan, uh, uh, his Bible. I was going to give it to him that night. And, and as a young missionary, I recorded it, how I felt at the moment. I wanted to capture the moment. I still have the, the little tape. And I might have mentioned this before, but on the way to their apartment, somebody had hit a fire hydrant. And, and the water was just, you know how it is when somebody hits a fire, the water was just gushing out of the ground. I don't know, if, just gushing out of the ground. And I remember standing there and I say, and on the tape I say, I'm standing in front of this fire hydrant and the water is just gushing, I mean, just shooting into the air. And I'd say, I feel like that fire hydrant is inside of me right now because I'm so excited that I'm giving people their first copy of the Word of God and seeing them weep. And you know, under communists, a lot of times they might have one page or just, and they would pass it around, pass it around. We need to realize, listen, don't ever take for granted or ever take it lightly that you have the privilege, amen, of having the very Word of God in your hand that anytime you want, amen, you get to open and read. Amen. The completed word of God that you're able to have a copy of. You know, the word of God reveals the glory of God. Amen. What was happening uh, uh, on the mount? The word of God. Amen. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. John 1:14 says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. It's the word of God 
that reveals the glory of God. And so our Lord was transfigured and revealed his glory. And you know what? We can, though we won't see it face to face, we can still experience the glory of God. And though we may not be transfigured, we can be transformed. Amen. As we read and meditate on the inspired word of God. Hey, listen, uh, maybe I won't get to, to, to see uh, Jesus transfigured on the mount, but hey, I can still see his glory through the word of God that he has given me. And though, hey, uh, uh, listen, I can still say, Lord, I, I want to be in your inner circle. Lord, I want you to bring me apart. Uh, Lord, I want you to reveal some things and see some things. And you know what he'll say? Well, then just stay. Like my grandfather told me, just stay in the book, son. Just stay in the book. Well, we need to ask the Lord, amen, to give us a fresh love for that book. Let's pray.